Hi, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to another segment of Ask a Lawyer, a production of the Institute for Native Arts and Media, uh, a nonprofit organization based in Norman, Oklahoma. The views and opinions expressed in this show are those of the individual and do not necessarily reflect those of the INAM or OILS organization. Welcome, welcome to this segment. With me today is Stephanie Hudson, Executive uh, Director for Oklahoma Indian Legal Services, serving Indian country in Oklahoma for over 40 years now. How are you? I am good. I'm cold because oh my gosh. <laughs> we are recording on the coldest day of the year. <laughs> the coldest day ever like ever we had 60 mile an hour winds mm -hmm. in 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 chickasha oklahoma early yeah. and so hopefully everybody's uh, listened to our last episodes and got your documents prepared for just such emergencies as this, <laughs> this is so, the emergency yeah. we've been preparing for <laughs> exactly and we never thought i mean we always joke about snowmageddon but i know this is i mean i i the wind is howling and i don't know if anybody no. can hear it but it is it, no, it is. The wind is howling. it's not a lot of snow but it's blowing straight across exactly <laughs> like, it's not coming down it's going like this <laughs> and so you know we want to remind everyone to make sure that you're checking on your elders yes. um and your unhoused relatives we know that we have a lot of unhoused relatives in indian country and so this is just bring your pets inside yes this is for all of the vulnerable we want to make sure that everybody is is safe to to uh to get out of this weather and this um, is not the time to leave the res dogs to fend for themselves no <laughs> put no, them in no. <laughs> at least put a tarp up for them or something let them get out of the element and uh and for those of us living in a little bit older houses make sure that you're dripping your uh dripping your faucets and uh have those doors open underneath the cabinets so yes indeed take all of those precautions that that you can um okay so this was a a story in ou daily and this is regarding a story here in oklahoma that's been pretty popular and it's regarding a bakery owner and she was a she was a member of the lgbtq plus community uh at the cookie cottage fantastic you know just a a, a nice person Mm -hmm. And so the headline of this is body cam footage 911 call show cookie cottage owner sought child welfare check before arrest. The Norman Police Department released body camera footage and 911 calls Tuesday related to Shannon Hatchett's arrest 12 days before her death in the Cleveland County Detention Center. Hanchett, owner of the Cookie Cottage on Main Street, was arrested around 7.30 p.m. on November 26th in the 1400 block of 24th Avenue Northwest at the AT&T store, according to a statement from the Norman Police Department. The call for service was a result of multiple 911 calls requesting assistance in verifying the safety of Hanchett's family. According to the statement from the Cleveland County Sheriff's Office, Hanchett was discovered unconscious and not breathing in her cell around 1245 a.m. December 8th. Life-saving measures were taken and emergency medical services responded. Hanchett called 911 for the first time at 625 p.m. and the operator asked the location of the emergency call, according to audio from the call. Hanchett wanted authorities sent to the address where her children were located. The operator asked if Hanchett wanted NPD to conduct a welfare check on her children. Yes, Hanchett said, that's all I want done, according to the 911 audio. It, and it shows a welfare check was logged at Hanchett's family address at 625. 
During the call, Hanchett said she no longer lived at that address because she and her husband recently separated. The call ended after the operator told Hanchett Norman PD would send officers to the home. At 644, someone who identified themselves as the AT&T store manager called 911 and requested an officer be sent to the address where Hanchett's kids were located. The operator said officers were en route to the address and the officer would call Hanchett for more information. At 7 p.m., the Assistant manager called 911 again, seeking an update regarding the welfare check. The operator assured the manager in Hanchett that an officer was en route and the call ended. Body cam footage spans over 18 minutes from the officer's arrival to Hanchett being placed in a police cruiser. The footage shows when the officer arrived at the AT&T store, Hanchett explained she was concerned about the safety of her children. The officer asked her to repeat her concern and the audio cut out for about eight seconds after the question. The officer said he needed more information before a welfare check could be conducted. Six minutes into the video, Hanchett said she was going to call 911 again. The officer said if she called, he'd arrest her. Hanchett cried and hung up the phone. Hanchett proceeded to walk around the store, distancing herself from the officer as several employees watched. Seconds later, Hanchett said she was going to call 911 again, and the officer replied that he was going to arrest her. About 11 minutes in, the officer told Hanchett she'd be arrested once another officer arrived. The officer said he'd use force if she resisted. Then he asked Hanchett if she'd cooperate and resist and she said no if she'd cooperate or resist and she said no to each question about 15 minutes in Hanchett called 911 again from the store's phone and the officer said she'd be charged each time she called about 90 seconds later another officer arrived and the two pinned Hanchett to the ground in the store and handcuffed her Hanchett screamed and asked the officers to take her with them to conduct the welfare check on her children they took her outside and put her into an MPT, MPD squad vehicle before the video ended Hanchett was placed under arrest for placing false 911 calls and obstructing an officer. She was transported to the F. Dwayne Beggs Detention Center, where she was released into the custody of detention center staff. She was ordered to be released on a $1,000 bond once, once a $1,000 bond was posted, according to an arraignment summary order filed November 28th. She was set to have a misdemeanor-sounding docket hearing before Cleveland County Judge Scott Brockman December 19th. While an initial view has discovered no policy violations by the responding Norman officers, a complete review of the department's involvement in the rest will be conducted to ensure compliance with policy and training standards as a matter of routine process. Hanchett's death is under joint investigation by the Cleveland County Sheriff's Office and the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation. The Oklahoma State Medical Examiner's Office will determine the cause of death. Um, and uh, there's an editor's note that says, while the footage in 911 call were obtained in the in a records request OU daily elected not to publish the ca body camera footage or 911 calls to minimize the harm to Hanchett's family so there's a couple of things in there <laughs> that there I'm are a number of troubling things in in that okay first of all why do those cameras ever go off right when they get in their squad car why do those why do the cameras ever go off mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that probably, you know, goes to the, the policy. It'd be interesting to see what the policy is regarding the, the body cam footage. Um, but the, the reason why that, well, the reason why they're there is twofold one to protect the officers and two to give some transparency to what's going on with the, uh, police department. I think Norman, for all of its 
issues. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a kind way to say it. Issues. Yeah. Um, well, you know, there are issues with the Norman Police Department. There's, you know, uh, tribal. They doxed members. my friend. There's tribal members who have had issues with the Norman Police Department. And one of them, you know, is a prominent Indian activist who's had problems with the Norman Police Department. And so when you when you look at those kinds of things, and I mean, she was arrested November 26th. She was found dead December 8th. So she was in jail that entire time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and, th and that's a thousand dollar bond. It's a thousand dollar bond. And, you know, some people may say, oh, well, that was a thousand dollars. Why didn't she just bond herself out? Well, a thousand dollars for people who are just getting by and um sole proprietors frequently are people who are just barely getting by and just be barely getting their bills paid and such you know people think that business people are wealthy and uh you know are doing well because they have their own businesses but frequently they're you know just getting by and you know we see that with legal services is that a lot of times uh sole proprietors they, they can qualify for legal services just because of the the the, the bare minimum that they're uh, making on being able to just cover expenses and everything. So for one, you know, a thousand dollars is a lot of money for somebody. I, I you know, uh, I don't know who set that set that bond for uh, a person who had mental health issues. Uh, obviously, has mental health issues. Well, but checking on her children, though, I mean, I don't have kids, but but you do. You're a mother. And mm -hmm. I can just imagine I can just imagine if you couldn't get a hold of, of either one of your sons mm -hmm. and that panic. I, I can yeah. I can just I can see you. <laughs> I can yeah. see you pulling every string that, that oh, yeah. you have to find yeah. out what's what's going on with you with with your child. And so 911 was all she knew mm -hmm. to call and, and and nobody's even said anything about whether the kids were in danger or why right. she wanted that that welfare check so so bad. I mean we're we're, we're not hearing all of, all of that side. And and to me that's suspicious. Yeah. There there's a lot going on there you know with that situation. For one, you know, I, I do know that police officers deal a lot with um, with issues involving parents in custody and visitation. Those, those probably take up a lot of time for police officers and being able to judge, you know, what's uh, <clears throat> what is a life threatening situation versus um a situation that has just kind of you know wound itself out of uh out of uh control a little bit and such that, that's hard for police officers to be able to to flesh all that out and everything but um you know to to throw a mother in jail who was trying to check on the the welfare of her children. I don't understand that. I, I'm having some trouble understanding that. And, and I think that's where there has to be some explanation to the public, because I think that there's a lot of women who can see themselves in that situation. 
especially if you're in a in a contentious divorce right, right. even even if you're not in a contentious divorce I, you know there's still going to be some sort of friction there's still going to be some I mean, I, I don't, I mean, Hey, maybe there are better people out there than me who, yeah. who can, who can swallow, you know, yeah. any kind of for the kids. And I'm sure I know they're out there. I don't know that I'd be that magnanimous. Yeah. And especially if, if it's a custody issue and you can't get a hold of them, I mean, can't not being able to get a hold of them for any reason, but yeah. especially in a contentious divorce, yeah. um, being, you know, on your way to a single parent, being a sole proprietor right. of a business, Mm -hmm. um and and trying to seek help and and i mean the calling for backup mm -hmm. and the all in the threats like if you call 911 well what else was she supposed to do yeah. i mean mm -hmm. she the police the police responded to her but they weren't responding to her and they certainly weren't responding with any kind of compassion right or with any kind of of trying of de-escalation tactics no there was none of that no tactics. there wasn't there wasn't and you know this is just uh this is just something that we see you know we're seeing more of you know i don't know that it's that we're seeing more of it i think that it's people are more aware of it uh, you know i we know that people have been taken to jail and people, you know, die in jail because they don't receive the proper care that that's just something that's happened forever. And Oklahoma, <laughs> Oklahoma County is just, you know, the, it's the worst place in the nation to be in jail in Oklahoma County. You know, you, you have to be worried about uh, family members who get incarcerated in Oklahoma County because there's a higher probability that they're going to die in Oklahoma County. So, um, you know, just the just the the care that she received while she's incarcerated you know did she get care for her mental health issues did she receive care for any health concerns that she had there there has to have been an underlying health concern that wasn't addressed when she well, was well, there I, 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 well and considering that she was found unresponsive at 1248 well, when was the last time that anybody saw her alive? No. What mm -hmm. time was that? Was she in a yeah. cell that whole time? I mean, because I have been in jail and I'll tell you something, those dudes come by and check all the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when you're when you're having to be in there overnight, they come in there all the time. Yeah. To mm -hmm. make sure I guess you're not making the shiv or whatever in the Norman drunk tank. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. Um, so that's why I, I'm so curious to know where that, where that, what happened here mm -hmm. and, and cameras inside the, the jails too. Right. Yeah. So the camera. I mean, where that, where's that camera footage? Yeah. I mean, in this day and age where everything is under surveillance, especially where law enforcement is concerned. And and I got to tell you, as as a as private as a person as I am, I'm glad that that law enforcement has all the cameras on them like a casino. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And so what about like, let's talk about false 911 calls because okay. nobody should ever yeah. call. In fact, call 988. 988 is Oklahoma's mental health hotline and, yes. and they will dispense mm -hmm. uh, mental health 
professionals rather than law enforcement. Mm -hmm. But right. let's talk about the the false 911 calls. Mm -hmm. Let's let's talk about um why she would be charged with a false 911 call at that is, is it because the officer didn't think that she was in an emergency or that she was playing or you know what I mean? I don't I don't understand that part. Yeah, you know, I don't understand what what he what he was referencing with, you know, that that's one charge, that's two charge. You know, to me it's it's up to the prosecutor who's going to decide what the charges are. And um yeah, I wasn't there, you know, I don't know how concerned the officers were for their safety and such but to me it just seems like there was a better way to be able to de-escalate that uh situation where there's a police officer there and the only way she felt safe was to call 911 again uh, while a police officer is there and you know isn't a police officer supposed to come in and doesn't isn't that supposed to make you feel safer but in this situation you've got somebody who was was in a mental health crisis was scared for her children a police officer arrives and and she doesn't feel safe now that that's worrisome when you wind up in that situation you know when the police officer arrives you're supposed to everything is supposed to de-escalate and you're supposed to feel safer well okay so back in the 90s when we were all taught to to wolverine our keys and self-defense and you know look out look out for predators and things like that one of the things that we were told was if you get pulled over at night mm -hmm. and you're you're a single woman you're on a desk you're by yourself mm -hmm. and a cop pulls you over you can call 911 right and nine and tell 911 i'm out here i'm by myself i'm getting pulled over mm -hmm. is you know do you have an officer that's that's pulling or or whatever right right mm -hmm. so how is that okay so and and you know that that's another thing too that i don't think people understand is you can ask for somebody to get send their supervisor out there right now. you can like don't ask for for them to send out another cop because they'll just send some some other dude that's on duty that's in the area right that might be their drinking buddy you know yeah and and putting her on the ground like like these like this is all reports of that footage and putting her on the ground was that necessary Mm -hmm. was 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 this one single woman that much of and and before i say hey i'm from darko we mm -hmm. we kick we bite we fight like don't restrain <laughs> us yeah <laughs> i get it yeah but at at that point and, and i wasn't there either but at that point i mean isn't that escalating and already almost out of control situation I mean, mm -hmm. this is in public. This is at an AT&T store. Right, right. Yeah. Um, I, I think this is where the having the footage is going to be able to help understand what happened in that situation. Um, you know, I, I think that it's going to help us understand what happened in that situation it's also going to hopefully allow the public to be able to you know demand that there's more 
training for police officers in in situations where there is uh, a mental health crisis. Yeah, here in Oklahoma City, we've got the the case that's ongoing with the um, with the older man who was out in front of a pawn shop, and the store owner had called and asked the you know, police come out and have him uh, removed from the front of the pawn shop. And um, as police officers were arriving, he started running at the police officers, and at I believe he was unarmed. He started running toward the police officers, and uh, they just shot him, just shot him right there because he was running toward the police officers and you know they don't know you know that it's a split second decision and such but you know was there a different way to deal with him rather than rushing at him and uh being able to you know have you know somebody who has training on dealing with somebody with mental health issues maybe it, law enforcement needs to make a partnership with 988 yeah and, yeah and maybe you know maybe we need to tell our businesses and and things like that because a lot of times like you're totally right when when we see people who are wandering around in the downtown area during the day if they're unkempt or you know you know that they're one of the communities unhoused homeless right right um you know and and they are in some kind of mental crisis or anybody yeah. for that matter 988 is is actually the and we have it on podcast mm -hmm. uh with talk jive and you can find that wherever you get your podcast right and and that's oklahoma's mental health health crisis line mm -hmm. and and they say call if you're mad or sad right and i think that especially here in indian country where we have such a large number of fatalities post mm -hmm. 911 call oh yeah i yeah. mean I think that's where I think that's where like I say Gen Xers probably a little bit earlier and later too where you know 911 is a solution yeah you know if whatever whatever's happening call 911 right, and, right. and where that coincided it seemed like with this societal shift with law enforcement to harden their training tactics mm -hmm. yeah and so how uh, how are we as tribal citizens where where do we fit into this and how do we advocate this kind of transparency within our tribes how do yeah. we set that go how do we set the tone for it even yeah um you know that this is this is hard because where where a lot of well you know where a lot of this uh, the well it's not just urban areas it happens more often in urban areas just because of the number of people that we have um it's it's a hard solution to try to figure out what to do because we have more unhoused people. We have more unhoused with mental health issues right now. And there's more of a demand from the public for, for law enforcement to assist with unhoused. And um, then you also have the concern that is 
you know, generated politically that um, people are scared of the term defund the police. And, you know, when, when you talk about defund the police, it's not really, you know, we're not trying to get rid of the police. We're not trying to replace the police with social workers. What we're trying to, you know, what, what, what the effort is, is being made is to try to use, try to uh, supplement police resources with the mental health resources also and trying to find a balance with all of that that that's probably one of the most difficult problems we have right now in society because the the housing crisis you know has to do with um just income inequity and that that's not going to be solved that that is that's just something that's just going to keep getting worse so we're going to keep having more and more people who are unhoused um the people who are unhoused are the people usually who have the mental health issues so it, it's it's a big problem <laughs> right now and I, I think the biggest thing that you and i can do is bring awareness to it and let people try to give people the opportunity to think about um, how this is affecting them and how it's affecting people that they're close to. Because who would have thought that this nice cookie lady would wind up being dead in jail? Who would have ever thought that the nice cookie lady would wind up dead in jail? <laughs> and it could happen to anybody that they know. It could happen to anybody in their family. And it's it's startling how much it does happen. And I think that one of the things that we need to remember, especially within these different agencies in government, mm -hmm. all of these different agencies, from the federal to the local, right, to the to the street level bureaucrats, we all need to remember that these are community resources. Right. And defunding the police and reallocating some of the the funds to to like you said to bolster those resources. Mm -hmm. Not not even not even taking the money away from them because that that's still giving it to them. It's just giving it to them in a in the form of a social worker or a psychologist or a mental health worker rather than a tank. Right. Or bullets or more AR-15s or whatever. And it doesn't even mean that the social worker would, you know, be on the call with them, but it would be somebody that they can call in and say, hey, what do I do in this situation? So, you know, I, I've seen all of the crazy memes and crazy, uh, you know, cartoons about, oh, well, they're just going to send a social worker out to deal with the bank robber or something. No, <laughs> no, that's not what it's about. <laughs> but but do the, the police don't want to deal with with people who are having mental no. health issues. They're not they're not trained no, for they that. They don't want to deal with them. They don't want to deal with them. 
some of them no. have mental health issues that, 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 that aren't addressed, which probably exacerbates some of this behavior behind the back. I'm just speculating. That's just You're just speculating on that. That's what I said. I put, I put that in there. Um, but let's talk about our tribal resources because because yeah. more and more, and there is funding out there, y'all. Yes. Um, the CPAS funding's open. And if you want your tribes law enforcement agencies and things like that to be a little bit more transparent get those body cams I, yes. i'm all for it mm -hmm. i am all for mm -hmm. it because that camera it, it, the camera doesn't lie now yeah. if there's 18 minutes or it gets turned off manually or the footage is missing or the sound is messed up well the sound could sounds kind of subjective because you know it it that can just that can just happen but yeah being able but missing just the whole footage that's a problem right mm -hmm. and you i would think that you could have policies in place in the land of unicorns and rainbows there's policies right. in place that says you can't turn your body cam off ever Right. until you until you come in and 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 you know end your shift right that's i mean so how how do we as as tribal citizens advocate for our law enforcement agencies in our tribes to be more transparent to us because ultimately the only people that those law enforcement agencies can enforce the law against is the tribal citizens right exactly so you how do we do that what we do is we um, talk for one, you know, if you have a council member, if you have uh, somebody who represents the district that you live within, what you want to do is, you know, let that council person, at, you know, know, hey, um, you know, with, with our tribal law enforcement, do we have body footage do we have uh do they have cameras that you know keep track of what they're doing so that you know you know you, you want your own tribal law enforcement to be protected but at the same time you know we want tribal citizens to be protected and then um you know if they say no then say ask their ask your uh representative you know what's the tribe doing in order to make sure that we're protected you know what what uh what resources is the tribe looking for in order to make sure that the tribal members are protected that our law enforcement is protected and are you looking at all available funding uh, resources to be able to assist in um, providing as much public safety as we can to tribal members. I think, I think too that if if we start asking mm -hmm. for for these things, mm -hmm. I, I think that if we have the policies that right. say, hey, we have to keep this is digital footage. There's mm -hmm. no reason to ever lose it. Right. I mean, I realize that, the, but I realize some of it may seem mundane, but, but we see cases all the time where mm -hmm. years later people come back and go, oh yeah, well we missed this footage or right. this, this right. didn't look like what we thought it looked like. Exactly. And so how long are we keeping this footage? Who's reviewing this? Is anybody reviewing this right. on a, on a consistent basis? Because, um, I just, I just rewatched the, uh, the 2020 on Daniel Holt's claw mm -hmm. a couple of days ago. Right. And I, I, I am just, I'm stunned by just 
do you turn your camera off? Oh, well, yeah, you know, just like, like nothing. Yeah. And so, and, and that, the, of course, that's when it was new. And so how do we also advocate for those things? Because once, 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 you know, we, we turn our tribal leadership onto something and even if they run with it, and even if they implement it, it might end up being something, some whole other monster that we didn't even see uh -huh. because we weren't specific about what we wanted in the first place. Right. And that's, you know, that's where you have somebody work on those policies and procedures. It, policies and procedures within tribes are so important. And th this is a good discussion that leads, uh, that opens up that discussion about policies and procedures, making sure that if a tribe is going to use, for instance, one of these CPAS grants to be able to enhance public safety within the tribe, and they decide that they want to purchase body cams for their police officers, if they're going to purchase that, then it's important to have those policies and procedures in place and to have somebody who is knowledgeable about that write those policies and procedures and then bring those policies and procedures to a citizen committee that can review them and can look over them and say, hey, have you thought about this? Hey, have you thought about that? Because it's the citizens who are going to be able to think about the, the well, what about this? Well, what about that? Yeah, yeah, because and yeah, there there are there are citizens like myself who have had the <laughs> I'll run in with law enforcement a time or two, and so we, we've always got the most questions. <laughs> we've always got the most doomsday scenarios. We've always got the, we're always having to look at all the angles because it's like because it gets it gets expensive once you get into that system. And you know, going back, well, it to, is it is to that earlier yeah. uh her bond was only a, i say only a thousand dollars a thousand dollars is a lot of money thousand um, dollars is a lot of money and and not being and and having to sit in jail under duress right without a choice mm -hmm. um and and for those unfortunate things to happen i you know community advocates and and i think law enforcement on all levels really need to advocate for that policy and procedure, as you said, of keeping those cameras on mm -hmm. and, and, and making sure everybody is protected all the way around right. for, for yeah. that. So very mm -hmm. interesting indeed. Thank you so much, Stephanie Hudson, Executive Director of Oklahoma Indian Legal Services. And don't forget, if you want more information about oils, you can go on their website and visit oilsonline.org. This has been a production of the Institute for Native Arts and Media and sponsored by Oklahoma Indian Legal Services, serving Indian country in Oklahoma for over 40 years. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Have a great day.